I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 231 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we discuss multifunctional physical podcast spaces. Say that three times fast. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we talk about some interesting terms of service with Amazon Music and podcasts. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, Stephen makes two statements about editing that contradict each other. Or do they? Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say SP's here this week. I am, and I actually am got some new hardware in the podcast room. I have installed my new speakers, and they're working just fine. If you want to know all about that, go to betterpodcasting.com. There is an article and a video link to it, and you can watch all about my new speakers. Yeah, and you know, if you said the model number wrong accidentally, it would just completely ruin the video. It's been known to do that before, yes. That's sarcasm, and if you commented on SP's video for him accidentally saying the wrong model number the last speakers that he did... Yeah, you're part of the problem. Uh, Okay, let's talk a little bit about new equipment before we jump into our main topic. Uh, I do have a new computer. I've been using it for a little while. I talked a little bit about it previously, about how I would, uh, how I did save our podcast during all of this new computer stuff. And I last weekend had a moment of just pure realization that it was the right decision to do my computer upgrade because as I was editing the Gonna Geek show last week, I realized, I realized that I was getting far less frustrated during the editing process because it was snappy, it was responsive, it was playing when I wanted it to play, it was just a lot more of a stable experience. And as a hobby podcaster, I realized that you should have done this sooner so that you were getting frustrated with your fun activities. So I wanted to just mention that right now that uh, that computer upgrade that I did uh, has has kept my sanity to a degree uh, when I edit. I'm totally jealous. I ran into some editing issues of my own, especially with that video that I just mentioned. Editing 4K video on my machine is getting a little bit long in the tooth and I have to do some things in order to make it happen. So because of Steven's success, I have started my path to look at components to make a new computer. The first thing is going to be a computer case. So if you have a suggestion on a good full ATX, possibly extended full ATX case, let me know and I will check it out. And that's the first thing I'm going to buy. No micro ATX case for SP. And I don't blame him on that. We're going big. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment.
There are a few aspects that all podcasts have in common. Audio is recorded somehow. Generally, an RSS feed distributes your episodes and the listener subscribes to that. And there is a file that you uploaded that is now being distributed to your audience that they will now listen to the audio. But there's also one more thing that all podcasts have in common. It's that all podcasts are created using some form of, quote, podcast space, end quote. Whether your podcast space is you recording something on your smartphone from the seat on the public transportation or with your buddies in a local adult beverage watering hole or in your soundproof studio in your basement bunker, the odds are, as a hobby podcaster, the physical space that you're using to record, process, and publish your podcast is not the sole use of that space. The space that you're using for your podcast is likely doubling, tripling, or even quadrupling as a home office, gaming space, cooking, eating space, just a place that you can write your hate mail to me. It's doing many, many different things for your daily activities. And it could even be a functional home workshop or a garage. Yeah, we've known people that have podcast in the garage before. For some of you, that place might be a location that you just need to lock yourself up away from your kids because you have spent like six months with them at home since they've been off of school and they constantly fight. They yell, they argue, they get mad at each other, they throw things, they break things. So you just need a couple minutes to get away. And that's that space. What? Are you okay, man? Sorry. Tr that was a trigger for me. I'm, I'm sorry. I guess so. We'll have to talk about it later. <laughs> I digress a little bit, but since this shared space is a common arrangement for podcasters, especially hobby podcasters, today we wanted to take today's episode to acknowledge that workspace limitations that podcasters do face in this real world situation, discuss some of the key attributes that you'd want to consider as you do work your podcast space. And what are some key work processes that will help you achieve success in your multifunctional podcasting space? Steven, let's kick it all off by talking about some of the limitations that you're going to have when you podcast and your podcast space serves multiple functions. Should we call it a pod space? Perhaps pod environment? Or perhaps even a pod bay with a door? Thank you, Hal. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Again, we digress. As a hobby <laughs> podcaster, the odds are you don't have a dedicated space to do your podcasting. We recognize that are probably a few of you out there that do. Perhaps you're a recent empty nester and you've got lots of room to spare. But for many people, the podcasting space serves the same function as other space. This is especially true when we record this in August 2020 in the middle of the global pandemic. Many people who happen to be fortunate to still have their jobs are currently working at home. So when your podcast space serves multiple functions, there are additional limitations that come up with your podcast space. One of the challenges that can be most annoying is that there are additional setup and takedown considerations to be had. Some of us are lucky enough to have a desk large enough to break it all up into sections. And that would be Steven with his sectional desk which allows him the ability to keep different stuff in place. And we'll talk more about that later. 
but others have to use the same space for different purposes. That would be me. My podcast space is used for three or four different purposes. In either case, there are additional steps needed to set up the workspace, and that means that decisions have to be made to consider this. For example, somebody who has to take down their entire podcast setup every time they record is likely going to want to keep things simple. Perhaps a microphone and a handhold recorder, and that's just about it. However, if you have the ability to leave some of the equipment in place permanently or semi-permanently, now you've opened the door to something like an audio mixer or a preamplifier without too much extra work for setup and takedown, perhaps even none. But the considerations go beyond what you buy just for your podcasting. When you're balancing multiple use space, you may need to make decisions for day-to-day activities that also consider your podcast setup. For example, let's say you usually record your podcast at your dining room table. There are a lot of people that do that. And you also already own all of your podcast equipment. You do a podcast with several other people in person, and such you have several microphone stands, all with big, heavy metal bases. You also have a beefy audio mixer that has seen better days. All of this equipment has been not so gently used, especially since you're moving it around every time you record. And as such, it has a few rough spots on it, perhaps a few rough edges in a few spots. Knowing that you're going to be putting all this equipment on your table, do you want to buy a dining room table that is easily scratched, some bare wood table? And if the table is easily scratched, Perhaps you need to invest in a glass tabletop. Fun fact, I've actually done this both with my desk, the hutch behind me, and the kitchen table. They're all 70 years old. They're from a mercantile bank. They're all exquisitely made, and they are totally not podcast functional, but we like them enough that I wanted to keep the tops from getting scratched, so I had to buy glass countertops. It was an extra expense, but the tabletops have remained scratchless, so that's awesome. Here's another example. Let's say that you're considering getting yourself a brand new set of computer monitors. You've decided that it's time for you to upgrade and you want to go with the biggest monitors that you can find. You've measured your desk and it looks like it'll fit perfectly. You'll even have room left over for your keyboard or mouse, both of those monitors, and you can probably fit your cup of coffee. Hey, bonus, looks like you'll also be able to fit your lunch on there when you do work through your lunch hour, as we all seem to do when we do work at home lately, and you'll have room there to do all of this. But did you consider that you also need to make sure that you have room to set up your podcast equipment? This is a real world limitation that does come up from time to time. In fact, it's one that I have actually faced before. Yes, my previous arrangement before I went with this monstrosity U-desk that I have in here was a situation where I had lots of equipment that was just like hanging off of desks. In fact, SP really gave me the nudge to go with the bigger desk because of the fact that he highlighted how absurd my setup was. If you go back to like episode 10 of Better Podcasting, you can see in there, I did a little explanation of the setup that I have at the time. And there is literally an audio mixer half hanging off of the desk And there is audio equipment sitting on top of a VHS player. It was just too condensed because every time that I decided to do an upgrade, I didn't consider the podcast equipment. So I just had to make it fit. 
What really concerned me is that Steven does live in an earthquake zone. He's on the Pacific Rim over there on the west coast of North America. And what really concerned me is that some of the stuff that was hanging off the edges, like the monitors were just suspended, hanging off the edges and monitor, I mean, speakers. And like he was saying, new podcast equipment on the side and mixer and stuff like that. I'm like, that all that's going to all fall down if you get a quake of like 5.0 or more and it's going to all break. Whereas if it was more secure, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. I mean, you have to worry about other things living in an earthquake zone. At least you won't have to reinvest in your podcast setup. So that's when he was like, you know what, I'm going to pull put together some uh, the next big purchase from the family to me, a birthday gift or Christmas gift. I forget what it was. And you got what you wanted, which you are still using today. And I think you will agree with me that that was an excellent purchase. It was indeed. Another example could be a purchase that will be shared between the various uses of that space. For example, say you're looking at buying a new keyboard and mouse. If you're using your space 80% of the time for non-podcast endeavors like working from home, you may originally think it'd be best to choose a keyboard and mouse based on that use. However, that keyboard and mouse could be very noisy. It could be made to break for your podcast endeavors, so to speak, because it'll drive you nuts if your mic is constantly picking up all those noises in your mic. The clickety-clack of the keyboards that a lot of people actually from work and gaming love, but from podcasts, since it's predominantly audio, that's going to get old real quick. And some of what you're not going to be able to take out of your podcast. So it's just going to be this annoying thing in the background. Gaming keyboards is a really good example of that. A lot of gamers, they go and they, they just buy their gaming keyboard, but then forget that their microphone is completely picking it up when they're podcasting. Another limitation that you may face with your podcast shared in a multi space is what podcast equipment you choose to help balance with your multiple uses. For example, what is the best choice for placing your microphone in front of your space? If you ever watched the video side of our show, you've probably seen that both Stephen and I use a permanently mounted microphone arm. While this works for us, it is not always possible when using the space in a multifunctional fashion. As such, you may be limited to choosing something like a floor boom arm that can be set up independently of other variables. And just for the record, I did originally try that. It doesn't work for my space, so that is why I went for the boom arm. There are also limitations to the atmosphere of where you choose to record. If you happen to travel a lot for work for your lifestyle, and yes, we know that in August of 2020, that travel across the globe isn't the same as it was eight or nine months ago, but if you happen to travel a lot for work, the place you record in will probably change a lot too. Sometimes you'll even be recording in a different location every single time you record. Some different examples of this include somebody that might be doing RV life, somebody that's doing van life, very similar but different sailing or cruising sort of things. And I watch a lot of those YouTube videos, truck driving, a business consultant, diplomat, journalist, travel blogger, vlogger, airline crew, the list goes on and on. You get the idea. There's a lot of different lifestyles out there that travel quite a bit. In this type of scenario, not only do you have to take into account portability, but also the changing acoustics of the location you are recording. You might never be able to control background noise in these situations. It might not always be appropriate to record at a certain time. You might never be able to use a bigger screen to edit. You just can't take it with you or you can't plug your laptop into one or 
It's just not available. Power might not always be available. And sometimes, depending on your lifestyle, you will have to generate your own power, which means sizing your power consumption to meet your power generation capabilities. This is not just with your podcast equipment, but all your living electronics equipment. The, the, let me give you an example. The biggest, baddest gaming PC with six monitor screens might not even be possible, no matter how much money you have to deal with the issue, because you're limited in the space of how many solar panels that you have in order to generate that electricity. And if you're doing like RV life and you're in the Arctic Circle, you're only going to get the sun so often during the winter months. So that's just an example of no matter what you do, it's going to limit the amount of electricity that you have. So your power consumption, including your laptop and all the rest of your podcast gear, has to match what you're able to generate. I always just run an extension cord to my neighbor who's on the grid and I just steal his power. A lot of people do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's called the power company and you pay them. But anyway, oh, fair enough. A few years ago, there was a boom to record in your car as you're driving around. But that's not the only extreme recording location that we know of. Uh, recording in bars was also pretty big pre-COVID era, and it will likely be big once again, once the restrictions are lifted. And it's safe to gather in those types of locations again. There have been cases where bowling teams have recorded while playing and talking. I've recorded while flying once. That was a very special episode of Better Podcasting. In these sorts of situations, you will have to learn how to deal with the background sounds. This might lead into an inability to edit. The background audio might not be able to be spliced very well, and it turns out it's the audio equivalent of a YouTube jump cut that will probably be too jarring for most of your audio listeners. One of the limitations that we discussed before is co-hosts in the same room, but what about a variation on this theme, Stephen, an audio drama table read? Unlike the back and forth banter of roundtable panel discussion, educational or instructional co-hosted show, an audio drama is scripted. You still have multiple actors in the room with multiple microphones. This is sort of to read off of each other. We already discussed this issue back in Better Podcasting episode 170. Check that out at betterpodcasting.com slash 170. This is, includes such limitations as microphone crosstalk. But since a table read generally has all the actors from the show in on that read, you'll need a larger room. And this might produce possible room echo. Also, often you're going to have people turning script pages and other noises like drinks being put on the table. And by the way, when you're done, you also have to make sure that you have time and, and space to celebrate and turn those tables back into the food serving tables or the eating surfaces that they were before. Or the bingo tables. That sometimes happens too. Ooh, bingo. I didn't even think of that. That's awesome. So gaming after the thing. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you record your audio drama, then you get together with a little gaming afterwards. That'd be awesome. It doesn't have to be bingo. Okay. <laughs> if your multi-space is the focus of your recording, you'll need to take this into account the other activities into your recording and possibly production setup. One of the biggest possibilities to the scenario for hobbyists that we've seen over the years is tabletop gaming. While there are dedicated gaming tables made and there are dedicated podcast tables adopted from conference room tables, finding a table 
that is dedicated to both gaming and podcasting is bound to be difficult here in 2020. In such a case, you'll have to work with the gaming table arrangement to integrate your audio equipment. And if this is your podcast room, how are you going to integrate your editing and production equipment? We'll have a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Wow. Let's take a little breather here. There's a lot of information and just acknowledge that the diversity in podcast workspaces is amazing. Podcasting is only 16 years old here in the fall of 2020, and it has grown from radio station and voiceover studios to be able to be recorded just about anywhere, anytime. It's just, wow, that's just amazing to me. I just had a thought. Podcasting is 16 years old, and yet now people are no longer podcasting in their car. So they're underage podcasting in the car because podcasting wasn't old enough to drive yet. I see. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. You know, um, is it Canadians? Is it 16 years it's old? It's all over the place. It's really it's because there's not really a lot to dr- to run into up there. So I was thinking maybe they'd reduce the age of driving to, I don't know, 12 or something. I mean, how do these kids get to Timmy Hortons in the hockey rink? Oh, you're allowed to drive your Zamboni whenever you want. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I see. In fact, if you're not driving a Zamboni by age eight, you've done it all wrong. But putting that aside, now that we firmly established podcasting can be accomplished just about anywhere and anytime, let's discuss some key attributes you will want to have in a few key different multifunctional recording and production setup styles. We're going to talk specifically about portable setups like your kitchen table or traveling. We'll talk about activity integrated setups like tabletop gaming or audio drama read throughs. And we'll even talk about what SP. And I have, which is the home office setups. Let's kick it all off with the portable setups. Yes, we get it. The general thought with portable setups is that the smaller and lighter you go, the better it is for a portable setup. But it's not just about portability. For example, it's also about screen size for editing. Both SP and I are huge proponents of having bigger screens for editing. For me, It's about maximizing the different functionality within the tools and the editing software that's available. There's a lot that you can do with four or five windows that you can throw all these different uh, parts of the application to. But for SP, it's because he's getting a little bit older and he wears glasses and he needs that bigger screen. But in either case, we're both big proponents about having a bigger screen for editing. There is a lot of benefits there. So you got to consider that if you're in a portable setup. It's also about having listenable sound quality. One microphone for your four buddies at the local bar might be unlistenable audio. So you're gonna get a little less portable by expanding your microphone uh, options, but you are gonna get more listenable sound. You should really do some research and invest in some decent gear with noise reduction that you can record in the scenario that you're recording in and have every individual sounding good with that listenable quality. I know SP's go-to mobile microphones involve the Audio-Technica AT2005, which is similar to the Samsung Q2U, but also in recent, I know that you've shifted a little bit towards the Sennheiser MD46. Both of these are dynamic microphones, which are great for situations where you need to reject noise. Now, here's the thing. 
The MD46s are even better at rejecting noise, so it's probably a better microphone for a situation where you are in a loud environment. And it's a little bigger than you would find with the AT2005, but having a little less convenience for portability might make that audio that much more listenable. But both of these microphones we think are lighter than like the Rode Pod mic, for example. So in that manner, they're both more portable. So it's finding that balance in that situation of portability and listenable sound quality. Portable podcasting is also about how much storage you need. If your entire setup is mobile, you're going to need big enough SD cards, phone or tablet storage, and perhaps a huge external drive just to store all those files with you especially if you're taking around everywhere that you are editing. Not to mention a service like Backblaze that we would recommend to back everything up to the cloud with. So if you lose your computer or you lose your hard drive, you haven't lost all your files. Portable podcasting is also about battery life. Back in the day, this is almost equivalent to having to stop and turn the cassette over as you record your 90 minutes or whatever you could on a cassette tape. You don't want to have to stop mid-recording to put new batteries in your laptop or portable recorder. You might want to invest in some power blocks or batteries capable of holding larger charges for your recording devices. And for those of you who are asking what a cassette is, uh, Wikipedia. Just look it up on Wikipedia. I, You know what? I'll have to do that just to make sure that <laughs> I remember what a cassette is. Portable podcasting is also about using a user interface basically is it big enough or functional enough to get some actual use out of the sound devices mix pre three is an incredible device but the screen is incredibly small can you see the screen to go through all the menus and is your finger small enough to hit the right buttons to configure the menu this is something that you want to probably try before you buy just to make sure that it fits your capability to use it these are things that you'll have to take into consideration. Smaller portable gear is always welcome in a portable setup, but you have to be able to control it for it to do any good in your podcasting. Steven, you'll also want a case to protect your gear. I know you mentioned the AT2005 before. I had the original case that came with the AT2005. It was just a sleeve, a leather sleeve with a cloth inside. It gave out after about four years, that was about a year ago, but it did protect the microphone all those years and I got a replacement for it. But I also have hard cases for my Logitech C920 camera, my N300 Wi-Fi router, my Zoom H5 headphones, and I generally pack loose items like cables in a one gallon freezer Ziploc bag. This keeps everything discreet so I don't have to look through the entire bag or stuff. So you want to protect your gear and you want to organize your gear. So that is a consideration with your portable setup. Weight is also a big deal. It's bigger now than it used to be for me because I used to be like, I will take as much weight as I can carry and that's just fine. And as I get older or more used to travel, I have changed my mind about that. I do want to be able to not hurt myself being able to lift this stuff maybe into an aircraft overhead or something like that. So weight is a big deal, but you still need to retain the functionality. So we both have lighter mobile tabletop microphone stands that we use for travel instead of the big base that weighs a ton. 
as well as later microphone clips that also act as shock mount. So it's multifunctionality and it's a lot less weight and space than our studios would have. And finally, don't be afraid if you're looking for a portable setup to use location-based objects if needed. I love to use garbage cans in a hotel room. Okay, they're not garbage cans. I generally go for the the ice box or or the coffee you, maker. You've been known to Oscar the Grouch, and, and you have used the trash can before. I have. You're absolutely correct. But you could also maybe make a pillow fort if you're not doing anything video-wise, and you can shove yourself under the pillow fort. That could be a great way to make your audio quality even better, especially if you've got those loud neighbors in the hotel room next door. It's a lot better to get creative with location-based objects than have to fight that later in editing. So look around, what's around, what can you use? And this isn't just in a hotel room like we just gave examples. But the next section that we wanna talk about is the activity-integrated setups. Activity-integrated setups are very unique. These are setups that are still generally lending themselves to be portable, but they have a specific consideration because they need to be configured in a manner that doesn't disrupt the activity that they are recording. For example, tabletop gaming. Tabletop gaming is, is an activity, and once you make that into a podcast, now you need to make sure you're not interrupting that gaming experience. This means there's often a balance between finding the right audio quality and the functionality in regard to the activity. For example, with that tabletop gaming, you need to understand that during tabletop gaming, people are having fun, they're getting excited, they might react a certain way because of the fun that's being had, so they're probably not going to sit perfectly still the entire time. This is something that when you choose the equipment, you should be considerate of that understand that you are being a little unreasonable if you ask people or expect people to 100% of the time stay in 100% the same spot. It's just not going to happen or it will inhibit that fun and could affect the, the quality of that podcast just from a fact that people are no longer enjoying the activity that they set out to do. However, an almost equally important consideration is miking your host in these situations that there is going to be extra equipment that's involved to do this. Where are you going to put this equipment? Let's use an audio drama example here. Let's say your intention is to sit everybody into that middle of the room in sort of a circle with multiple tables and things like that. Where are these microphones going to? What is recording these microphones? And how exactly are you going to activate that recording? If your intention is to shove the recorder out of the way, out of this sort of circle or whatever you've built in the room, are you able to go hit record and get yourself back to the circle? And are you comfortable leaving it out of your visual where you can't see if something's gone wrong with the recording? But how are you also going to power this? Again, if you're in a big, massive room that we described earlier, are you going to have extension cords going across the room? And how are you going to keep that side? Is that safe if people are taking a break? Because you know there's going to be at least one bathroom break during that recording. So you got to consider all of these factors when you are setting up in a situation that you're shoving podcasting into an existing activity. Now let's move on now to home office multifunction attributes. 
So with the home office multifunction spaces, you have the ability to be a little bit more permanent with some of your considerations. Yes, there will be some considerations and changes as you switch between roles that your home office is serving. However, you have a space that is available to be used regularly for your podcasting. Home office spaces typically feature more equipment that is left in place throughout the week. One of the advantages to using a home office multifunction setup is cable management. You can often run audio equipment cables behind desks, out of sight, out of mind, but there are important considerations for cable management that you face when you're using semi-permanent setup like with a home office. Line interference. When you're using a setup that is being configured each time you record, you have the benefit of each episode running ca the cables in a manner that is made for podcasting. Often you end up with cables going from one place to another with limited other interference. However, in a home office, you may need to deal with things like power cables for other devices in your office, video cables for TVs, etc. And since you're setting and forgetting, it can sometimes be harder to swap out a cable compared to a more portable setup. Therefore, you may want to invest in better cables in these situations rather than in a portable scenario where it's easy to just swap it out at the beginning of your setup for the recording session. I'm going to give an example here of exactly what this is talking about, because I have this desk that was made in 1950 and it weighs more than an M1 Abrams tank. This is impossible to move around. I've got it on sliders and it still takes all my strength and perhaps another individual to move it around. If I have cables running behind it, which I do, I have to pull the desk away from the back wall in order to get back there in order to make changes with my setup, which is why I chose the speakers that I did to replace the old speakers, by the way, is I just wanted a quick swap out. So if you have a situation like that, number one, you don't want your cables going bad. I mean, they will eventually, but if you can prevent them from going bad over time, you want to make sure that you're not hurting yourself moving around your podcast desk and you want to make sure that they are not crossing each other so you get that dreaded line interference. So that's just a personal example that I have is I have my cable management in a way that it's all spaghettified, but at least I have no line interference. <laughs> and since all the furniture in your home office is generally going to just be sitting there in place, you want to pay attention to additional things within there. For example, microphone audio reflections. When you're setting it up in this space, and other things around, where is your uh, audio going to reflect and get captured through your microphone? What sort of window light interference is going to come in if you're doing a video side of things? I have to say, I have a window that's right next to me and I have very, very dark curtains that I visually don't care for from week to week, but they're dark and they block out the light while we're recording. So I made that decision for this show. Also background noises like sewer pipes going to bathrooms. If you've got one in your wall, in the room that you are recording in, you want to make sure you're considering that when you place and arrange your configuration. SP for the audio listeners, right now he was pointing to his left side because he puts up with this apparently. And yes, we will definitely hear that flush of running water if you're too close to that wall. Also, washer and dryers. Is there tumbling or buzzer noises that are coming in? As well, central air conditioning or heating noises. 
You have to consider all of these things and all of these airflow things that are within your space and make sure that you arrange it in a manner. Because again, a home office space is sort of set it and forget it to a degree. So now we're going to move in and we're going to talk about those key considerations to help you achieve success in your multifunctional space. First of all, we're going to talk about keeping activities separate and designated spaces for each different group of items. This can be as simple as bills in one place, work in another place, podcasts in another space. Make sure that there is a space to do all this. Also, you want to be able to store activities when they're not in use. So uh, to use the cable analogy before, out of sight, out of mind, if you don't have your podcast stuff up and available while you're working on work, then you're not thinking about podcasting and vice versa. This leads to more focused productivity sessions for every adventure that you take in your shared multifunctional space. Set times to work on different activities. For example, I pay bills every week at the same time. And Stephen knows when that is, Saturday morning when I bug him that he should be editing. And you might want to set recording times that this is my recording time every week. This helps with family too, by the way. We've talked about this before on the podcast. So with our podcast, we're fortunate enough, both Stephen and I, to have set times throughout the week that we need to get together with our co-hosts and we podcast. However, that is not always the case, especially if you're a solo podcaster. I get it. You can hit record whenever you want to, but that might be intruding on the other things that you're supposed to be doing in the space as well. So if you set a time to record, even if you're a solo podcaster, that will help your multifunctional space usage. It will help you stay away from that YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, I get it. If you're working, there might be a reason to use YouTube. YouTube University is great for things like I can't remember how to do this in Excel. So you bring up a YouTube video that teaches you how to do that thing in uh, Excel, but then it shows you the next cruising video and you want to go watch that instead, but you can't because you're working. So you need to stay on task. At the end of the day, put your work away if you're working. And if you're studying, make sure you study when you need to. Don't encroach into that gaming time with studying. And when it's bedtime, go to bed because you need rest. You know, your mind actually gets rid of toxins throughout the night. So the longer you sleep, the more toxins your brain gets rid of and the more capable you are during the day. So when it's bedtime, go to sleep. Don't stay up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning. When it's time to cook and eat, go and cook and eat. If your podcast table is the kitchen table, then that stuff needs to be put away so that you can go ahead and have a nice meal. Don't stay in your podcast studio all day either. Make sure you get up, walk around, get some exercise in at least once a day. And this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast. Investigate a stand up desk. These things are or sit stand desk, whatever you want to call it. They're great. They're multifunctional. Generally, they have a riser built into them so you can put your monitors up even higher They've got lips on the desktop that you can mount like a boom arm to or something like that. And if you stand up, it keeps your body more alert and focused throughout the day. When I'm at work, I have a sit stand desk at work. If I get a little sleepy after lunch, I put that thing up. I stand up and within an hour, I'm just fine and I'm charging along the whole time. If you're podcasting and you have a sit stand desk, the stand version is awesome because it allows you to project more. Again, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but since we're talking about a multifunctional space and Stephen is falling asleep, I'll just say that this comes into space into place right here. 
Look at different ways to set up absolutely everything. You're not going to find the perfect setup for everything that you want to do, including if you're doing three or four or five different things in the space. You might need to make your own furniture or your own furniture modifications. For example, I took a wall shelf, I secured it more so than it should be, and I mounted my boom arm to it. It's the only way that I could get my boom arm into this space. But that was a personal modification. That wasn't something that there was a manual that, yes, you can do this. This was something that I came up with. Steven, I know you've made modifications to your space. Yeah, actually, my boom arm is a similar situation where I had to go and uh, because the way that my desk that I chose for the personal setup, uh, the one of my monitors I need to have away from the corner of the desk. And so there's no real good way to sort of uh, uh, fix the boom arm on. So I had to build my own little riser that not only brought the height up, but also brought it out. So definitely. And if I was in just a dedicated podcast specific space, that wouldn't have been a problem. But because I do have multiple uses in this, the location of that monitor that causes all of these problems has to be there. So absolutely. And if you're in a workspace, like maybe a garage or a hobby space or something like that, and you're using the hobby table to a podcast, maybe look at undermounting underneath the table, some audio gear. So it's permanently mounted in there. It's not obtrusing the tabletop, but you can go ahead and make your setup and take down easier from time to time. But that would be a personal modification that you yourself make and you don't pay somebody fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to make a table to do the same thing. In summary, most hobby podcasters use their podcast space for multiple activities. Because of the multifunctional use of these pod spaces, there are limitations. We've given you some key attributes to consider if you are having different types of podcast recording spaces, and we hope this has helped set you up for some success with your workflows and your setup and takedown process if applicable. If you have something that you want to chime in about your multifunctional pod space or pod environment, whatever you prefer, let us know. Send us an email to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Come to our Discord server if you'd like at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. Or when you are writing that hate mail to me using that space, just throw it in at the end of the letter because then we at least have it in writing. Let's go ahead and move on to the download. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Last week when we were doing our off show, our bi-weekly show, we had the very fortunate event of being able to have a lot of information coming into us about Amazon Music Services and podcasting being able to open up into Amazon Music. We wanted to talk about it this week on the main show because we wanted to talk about the applicability to hobby podcasts. Now, why is it important to get your podcasts into Amazon Music? It is because there's roughly at the beginning of the year, I don't know what the numbers are now, but at the beginning of 2020, there was 55 million users of Amazon Music. That's a lot. And it is the most out there? No, by no means. You have other things like Pandora and Spotify that have uh, double or triple that, but it is still 55 million. And because it's Amazon, I only envision it growing over time because people are in the Amazon architecture. So that's why it's important. However, 
we started reading the terms of service. Actually, we started hearing a lot about them. So I'm like, okay, I am going to go ahead and read the terms of service. Which is good because I don't read. So no, we haven't taught Stephen how to do that yet. So in paragraph number four of the terms of service, this is what it says. Content restrictions. Your content may not, A, include advertising or messages that disparage or are directly against Amazon or any service. It goes on with some more, uh, just give you an example. B says include advertising that does not comply with Amazon's creative acceptance policies, which Amazon may update from time to time and which are currently located at this web address. But let's back up. Let's go to A, include advertising or messages that disparage or are directed against Amazon or its services. This is interesting. So most tech podcasts, if they want to get on Amazon Music, they can't say anything bad about Amazon. They can't say anything bad about Amazon Day. They can't say anything about the products that are on Amazon or the services that are on Amazon. That's not an impartial review. Why would you want to do, you know, if I was a podcaster in those spaces, which we kind of are with Good Uh Geek and with Better Podcasting, I would either consider not doing it or doing it and just risk getting kicked off because this is a hard affront against your ability to create content. Yeah. Uh, again, SP mentioned that we did chat a little bit about some ideas that could possibly come up if you were a podcaster and how that could be a problem. That was over in Better Podcasting live chat number 13. So if you want to check that out, that's at betterpodcasting.com. But here's an example right here with this show. Let's let's stay within this show, okay. th- these listeners. Let's say that Amazon releases this and it sucks. Like, let's say that the podcast service that they release totally sucks. And we've submitted our podcast to Amazon Music. And here we're trying to help people with podcasting. We cannot say the Amazon Music service sucks because that is their service, right? So it would put us in a spot where we're sitting here and we're like, okay, well, I guess we decide we either don't tell people that it sucks or we say that it sucks and we break break the service agreement. So here's an example right here with this show about this service. So on one hand, there's 55 million users out there, and we have determined over the past couple of years that if you put podcasts on an already existing streaming service like Spotify or Pandora, people are going to start listening to the podcasts on those streaming services. It's just by happenstance, maybe they search for something or whatever, or maybe they hear about podcasts are now on Spotify or the dreaded because I hate this because I was listening to the radio again today in the car and I heard we're on iHeartRadio, the number one podcast destination. No, you're not. Ugh, get me going on iHeartRadio again. Anyway, so yes, people do listen to podcasts on those locations. People are going to listen to podcasts on Amazon Music. There's 55 million users, so there's an ability to reach those 55 million users. But is it worth it? You got to ask yourself that. And this is not new in podcasting, by the way. This has gone on for a long, long time. Stitcher was the first one that came up with some really crazy terms of service back in the day, that at least that I remember. And Stitcher was saying, we own your content, plain and simple. They actually had to change the term of service after talking to some podcasters because podcasters was like, no, I'm not going to put my stuff on Stitcher. And at the time, Stitcher was like the only way to reach inherent native 
Android users. Now there's more options, including Google Podcasts. But back in the day, Stitcher was it. So if you didn't put your stuff on Stitcher, you're not going out there to Android. I used to be in the camp, and then we talked about this last week. I used to be in the camp that I want my podcast out there everywhere, that my podcast is small enough. I just want anyone to be able to listen to it. But there comes a point where I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity by putting my podcast on somewhere that's saying that I can't say anything bad about them. So are my listeners then, if they know about this terms of service, are they going to say, ooh, are, are their reviews biased because they can't say anything about Amazon here? So I think I, I know where Amazon is going here. They're trying to protect their brand. They're trying to protect their business. And I get it. But there's got to be a happy medium here. Yeah, I think these terms of service will definitely be interesting to follow and see if they enforce it because uh, there are a thousand different ways that this could, people could violate this by just being an honest podcaster. So I guess we'll see what happens. And I look forward to seeing if they make revisions, if they just don't enforce it, if they're, they don't enforce it for a while, and then all of a sudden they do enforce it and everybody gets taken down. I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens or or if podcasts even hit Amazon Music. Maybe they'll just back out of it altogether. <laughs> well, you're right. It's happened before. It happened with Apple Podcasts where um, people were spamming the author title and then, well, we can do it. They're not going to take us down. And all of a sudden Apple started taking them down. So it's been known to be done before with other mm -hmm. areas. So it, it's not something that has no precedent. But as a hobby podcaster, we want to make sure that you are aware of this. We also wanted to make sure that you make a conscious decision, whichever way it is. I'll tell you right now, my decision is going to be no for my podcast because I'm not going to put up with that. But you might be in the mindset where you want your podcast everywhere. If that is your decision, that's your decision. You're the producer of your podcast. Just understand the risk of doing so. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Pod Back. You know, SP, Better Pod mm -hmm. Back is one of my favorite parts of the episode. Not only is it the part that we really have to do the least amount of work because we everybody just gives us the information. Uh, I, I, by the way, I noticed this is the area of the episode that you fill out the show notes first because it's the least amount of work. <laughs> Absolutely. It's also just fun to, to have this dedicated section where we take your feedback in our better podback section. I love it. It's fun. And so uh, I'll start off the better podback by saying thank you all to the listeners and viewers for making our better podback. As great as it is each week, this is all about you. As the intro say, we do turn the show over to you. And let's kick it all off here with something that came from our Discord server this past week. We had had a post in there that uh, was in reference to something I had mentioned on episode 13 of the Better Podcasting live chat show. Which, by the way, if you're saying, what is this live chat show that you keep referring to throughout your episodes? Well... Because we only do this show bi-weekly bi right now, or bike weekly, I guess. I don't know. I don't bike ever, but maybe it's bike weekly. Which is why it's every other week, because <laughs> you never bike. That's fair enough. Uh, you can check it out at betterpodcasting.com. It's just an unedited version of us together talking podcasting. So we do that on the off weeks. It is live, and we take your questions or feedback that we've got, and we just talk about podcasting and semi-related uh, things to do with our lives from podcasting in the past week or so. 
So this was in regard to something that I had mentioned on episode 13 of the live chat, where I had said that basically I realized I need to give myself a swift kick in the behind with the Gundy Geek show because I was struggling to get it out on time. And I realized that I just kind of fell into this area of just not following a schedule for that show. And we had Damien the DM come to our Discord server and say, Stephen, in regards to trying to give yourself a push editing, I just went through this last night. Our episode that came out last week was two weeks late. The episode before was a week late. So once I posted last night's episode, I got the project set up for our next episode and started plowing ahead. I only got about five to 10 minutes in, which for my show is like an hour of work, but I was mostly just happy to be pushing forward. That was from Damien the DM. And I gotta say, kudos to you, Damien, for doing this. That is one of the hardest things. And that's something that I took with last week's Gonna Geek show was I said, I am going to push into this because it is hard. And, and it feels very hard when you have fallen off of a schedule to get yourself back aligned. And the first few weeks in my experience when I've had this happen, the first few weeks are difficult, but eventually it just now becomes part of that routine. So just force yourself to do it and like Damien did, and you'll be a lot better off. I will say that Chris and I didn't help you at all this week as you're trying to get back on the horse because we basically doubled the episode length this week on Kinna <laughs> Geek. So I'm sorry about that, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to get the episode out in time. That's okay. We had our guest Michelle Ely on there and she's better than both of you. And so it all works out. She's better than all three of us. That's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. There was also a discussion about downloads and statistics and Anthony Capes on the couch posted, well, for us, the downloads are an indicator of reach. We want to expand the reach of our message, which is about destigmatizing mental health. So naturally, so naturally, the more people hear our message, the more folks we can get to have those discussions. Our engagement is great. We have a fantastic base of dedicated fans and we're forever grateful for them. But obviously, we'd love to reach more. Yeah, Anthony, all podcasters. Would. So Damien, he responded and he said, also, I will say that while you don't have the granularity that I hear Libsyn talk about with destinations, this new destinations thing with Podbean is a step up for me. Damien is hosting with Podbean and they have expanded their destinations. Uh, Anthony replied, every diehard fanatic started off as a casual fan. Damien replied, if you have an actual engaged audience, are they sharing your show? To which I replied, well, that's interesting. Does an engaged fan need to share your show? There's a nice conversation about that. Uh, for the record, I will just say that I don't think that all fans need to be engaged. If someone wants to live a single life, they're more than welcome to live a single life. Lots of people prefer it. So I, that's my take. Odds are the bulk of your fans are not going to be as engaged as uh, like the five to 10% of, of fans that are engaged. And by engaged, I mean, actually contributing to the show and interacting with you and, and oh. sharing your show and stuff like that. Not necessarily putting a ring on it. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, it's an interesting thing. So if you do have some engaged fans, you would hope that some fans would be engaged enough to go ahead and share your show to other people that would enjoy it. But I don't think it's really necessary. I think an engaged fan just needs to be an engaged fan where you want to talk back and forth to the people that are creating the show and you're able to have some impact on the show and its content as it moves forward. I think that's the definition really of an engaged fan. And we appreciate all of our fans, whether you're engaged or not, because 
we're doing this for you. And the fact that you are downloading in listening and watching us on YouTube and coming to our live chats as we record both shows that we do, that means a lot to us because we are trying to help you. And here's the other thing. We learn a lot from you, like in the chat as they're going back and forth. This was a great example where we're talking about destinations and different types of statistics and engaged fans and stuff like that. This is stuff that we like live for. So it was really great to have that in the discord. Once again, that's at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. Maybe we should just uh, do an episode that is all better pod back. We kind of have in the past, right? Yeah, Remember the, the episode that it was, uh, what I wish I would have known before I started podcasting. Yeah. I think it was while. episode 82. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, over on Twitter, I made a, a tweet that I, I was pretty sure I knew where this was going to go, but I, I didn't. I didn't give any directions and I wanted to I see what would happen. Wondering how much Canadian beer you had <laughs> drank before you posted this. And I posted the following opinion. Many podcasters care too much about their audio quality. Opinion. Many podcasters don't care enough about their audio quality. And that's where I left the tweet. I didn't say it was either or. I didn't say it should be either or. I wasn't saying that one was right, one was wrong. And so I wanted to see what would people say. And guess what? Well, people originally thought that it was sitting there and trying to contrast. That was not the intention of it. The intention was just to talk about how both of these were right. And immediately, almost immediately, I had people responding. For example, Liberty Dude said, I think both are true. I also think lack of knowledge, ability, and finances can play a role on one side. While snobbish elitism can push one well past the level of concern they should expend, let's hope most find the middle ground, end quote. It's so true. Absolutely. Uh, the audio quality that is sometimes looked as, at as inferior can be just because people don't have a budget. We've said it before. The best way to start that we think is with an Audio-Technica AT2005 or an Audio-Technica ATR2100 or Samson Q2 microphone because it's easy, it's simple. But some people can't even afford that. So get yourself podcasting. And if it means pulling out your phone, holding it close to your mouth and, and trying to get in the routine of podcasting, okay, the audio is not going to be great. There's a level of expectations you should have that people might get driven away by that, but at least you're going to get in the process. And sometimes just the experience gets you prepared for the next level. And like, say, maybe you're a, a teenager, maybe you're in high school and that's all you, you can afford. You're recording in your bed with the blanket over the top of your head with your phone, just trying to get the best audio quality you can get. But the real thing there is that you are being more experienced over time with your hosting skills. And that's something that, yeah, you can learn in a book, but you really learn by doing. So that's great. Now, Jim Harold, who is the pod lord, by the way, and he replied to you by saying both. So I think he understood where you were getting, but he was just yep. simple, succinct and pod lord, you know, laying it down on the ground. He said both. And then John Jambingo, who is an editor, he's also host of Hate to Wait. He said, I agree with both statements. You need to Goldilocks audio quality. And John, that is awesome. I love the term Goldilocks because it's actually a scientific term when you're talking about planets and livability and habitability with planets. So I love the term Goldilocks and he did it with audio. I love that, John. That was awesome. So you had some amazing responses. You didn't get a response from me because I still think you were drinking too much when you posted that. <laughs> I, 
I just I really wanted to put it out there because there are some people that obsessed with obsessed with audio and they're they're spending money to, uh, like constantly trying to like get just like a, a fraction less line noise, just like like barely there. And they think that that's the super like number one priority. And obviously everybody makes the decision that they want for their podcast. But there are other things that people should focus on if that is your sole focus. And so I I like that. Yeah, the Goldilocks is great, great uh, statement there. Another thing, another piece of feedback that we received this past week is awesome. It is an Apple podcast review. And I love these when they come in because they just supercharge us. And I don't know why, but an Apple podcast review or a Podchaser review, which you can find at podchaser.com, are always great to get. So on Apple podcasts, we got a five-star review titled Raving Fan. And it said, this podcast is a must listen for podcasters from all backgrounds. And it was from Melissa from the Dental Digest podcast. And I've had a little bit of back and forth with Melissa. We're trying to increase her audio quality. So it has been fun getting to know Melissa. And I just want to say publicly, thank you very much, Melissa, for the five-star review. That was awesome. Also, if you want to do the podcast with like a dental dam in your mouth. I think that would be fun to listen to. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, there was actually a episode about dental dams and that was what really got me into, I need to help her with her audio quality (laughs) because it really needed some help. And I haven't listened to an episode since she got some new equipment, but it has increased tremendously. She's very happy with it. So I can't wait to listen to the next episode. Awesome. Thanks for checking out the show. And if you got something you want to say to us, get in touch with us through any of the ways. We would absolutely love to have you over on the Discord server. That's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find us over on Facebook if you want. Facebook.com slash betterpodcasting. Twitter is probably a bit better at twitter.com slash betterpod or email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. And you might find your feedback in a future episode or edition of Better Podback. So that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we wrap up, just take a moment to remind everybody we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing geeky content on there. You should check that out at GunnaGeek.com. And I'd like to right now here and now introduce our newest member of the Gunna Geek Network, which is a fellow named Stargate Pioneer. He's bringing to the show or to the network a brand new show that is all about dental dams. SP, go ahead. I'm not qualified to do that podcast, <laughs> but if I was, that'd be great. I'm qualified to be a rocket scientist, so I like space stuff. So maybe that will be my next podcast. We'll see. It's been a great show. It's been a great week. I can't wait for our next episode. If you want to join us for any questions, come next week, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific to Geeks.Live. Join us in the chat and we can have a little bit of give and go as you ask us questions about podcasting and we can answer them live on the stream. Thank you very much for listening and downloading. We'll see you guys next time. For episode 231 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying dental dam is fun to say. And I'm SP saying I hope you're still having fun with your hobby podcasts. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. 
Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.